right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. We'll be in Luke chapter two today, Luke chapter two. Um, while you're turning there, I just wanna take a minute. I just wanna brag, first of all, on God and all that he's um, done in this place just this weekend. Um, we had a really, really, I think, pretty cool weekend. Um, this weekend is, um, well, actually, kind of the whole weekend. Friday, uh, one of the things that we're trying to do here um, is build a really good relationship with one of the local elementary schools. And so, um, at the very beginning of the year, we did prayer walk there. Um, we did our serve Saturday about a month and a half ago, and they uh, asked us if we could come and pick weeds out of their flower beds. And then um, we had gotten a call a few weeks ago, and the principal asked if we could come and cover their lunch um, for the teachers so the teachers could eat together. They never get to uh, eat together, and so they asked if we could come and uh, watch the kids while they did that. And I said, absolutely, our staff would love to do that. And then I went to the staff and said, hey, would you guys love to do that? And they were like, uh, yeah. And so, um, and so I think what they realized is that they had to watch one big kid with all the other little kids too. Um, Tyler. Um, but no, we had a blast. And so it, it was a pretty cool weekend that we got to go, that, that we're building a relationship in a way with a school that the principal will call and ask us to come and serve. Because with that, we get to meet teachers. With that, we get to meet students. Uh, as well as see a bunch of our own students. So Friday kicked off like that, and then we moved into Saturday, where I don't know if they're in here, they're probably somewhere else, but I'm just gonna brag on them for a second. Our uh, children's ministry leaders, which is Ashley Clunan and Deanne uh, Plummer, set up one heck of a cool Christmas party Saturday for our kids, birth through uh, fifth grade. And so we got to come and we got to just enjoy pancakes in, in our pajamas. And so it was just an amazing, anytime you can just wear your pajamas somewhere, you're, it's always a good time, right? And so we got to bring our kids and, and the volunteers and leaders. And so I just want to brag on you this morning. My goodness, that was amazing. Thank you so much, everybody that had a hand in that and setting that up. And uh, Stuart was the glitter king yesterday um, with that. I mean, there were just so many of you played such a huge role in that. And I just want to say thank you so much. The fact that you love our kids like that. Uh, and then this morning, did they not do an amazing job again? I mean, they're just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, we can clap when God does something amazing. Yep, we're going to celebrate. And so our kids get up here and those leaders that have invested in them Wednesday night after Wednesday night after Wednesday night and you parents trust us enough with your kids to be able to do some of these things and we just, um, we just count on a joy and an honor to be able to love one of your kids and just to see God do some things in their life and that video at the very beginning that where we said thank you, we, we mean that and those signs meant what they said. Some of those kids come to know Christ under uh, your ministry with them. They've, they've uh, been held and loved and rocked. And I just, man, I just wanna brag on our, our people here that love kids and serving kids ministry, those that oversee that ministry and just uh, serving it and, and just everything that God's doing here by way of our kids. I mean, we, we count it an honor and joy to, to have kids and we're always gonna be a place where kids are welcome and safe and we're gonna always celebrate what God does in their life. So um, again, thank you from the bottom of my heart, everybody that serves in our children's ministry. I and mean, we just love to showcase it and put our kids up front. Um, and just, it's just such a pivotal time in their life. You never know what God will do and capture their little hearts and save them. And so thank you again for serving and loving kids. And so Luke chapter two is where we're gonna be. Um, as you turn there, maybe hopefully you're already there. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna jump into our uh, Christmas series. God love you, Lord, thank you so much. God, so, so much for all that you've done in this place. God, this weekend, what an amazing weekend. God, that we've been able and allowed to, to serve in our local school. God, that we've been able and allowed to just love on kids and hear the story of you and just serve and watch. God, I pray you just move and speak in this place this morning through your word. God, I just pray that you would capture our hearts and our affection and our attention 
And God, my mind even right now just is just running a million miles an hour. And so God, I pray you just help me just kind of reel it back in. God, help me to focus. Help me to, God, hear from you and, and walk after you and seek you. God, even in what I say in this place this morning, may it not be my words, but God, may it be yours. And so God, I just want to pray this as I always do. God, I pray that you save the lost here in this place. God, if there's one that don't know you, God, that this morning, God, that you would rescue them and save them. And God, may they see their sin the way that you do and may they be broken over that and run and repent and believe. So God, I just pray you move in this place this morning. And for those in this room that are struggling, God, I pray that you encourage. God, I pray you love. And God, those that are walking it out day after day, God, I pray just encouragement on them. God, that you move in this place. God, that you would just move and receive honor and glory. In your name we pray. Amen. So Luke 2, we'll get there here in a few minutes. Um, I mean, I can think of a ton of reasons why I just absolutely love Christmas. Uh, one of the reasons that I love Christmas is family. Uh, and so for me, being a West Virginia boy, uh, this is a good time of the year where I really get to see family, get to spend time with family, get to be around family. Uh, we, we take a little bit of time off around here and uh, just, just focus on family stuff, right? It's just good to kind of get a recharge and spend time with family. And so one of the things that I just love about Christmas is family time. Um, but I think one of the reasons why Christmas is so appealing or Christmas is uh, just kind of draws me is, is because there's so much predictability, uh, with Christmas, you know what's coming, you know what's happening, you know what's uh, going to take place. It's, it's almost the same thing every year because what happens is around Oct um, October, you've got Halloween that, that pops up and they have that in the store and all the decorations and things like that. And the moment that uh, Halloween is over, well, even before Halloween's over, they're already stocking the shelves with a little bit of Thanksgiving because they kind of jump over Thanksgiving to get to Christmas, but you've got the Thanksgiving stuff coming uh, after Halloween. And so you're there, you're working toward um, Thanksgiving, and you have Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving in today's world and culture has even been hijacked because uh, we used to have Black Friday, I now call it Dark Thursday, um, as they have overtaken um, uh, Thanksgiving even. Like, you, you've got to eat early so you can get to the store to get the deals, right? And so this is kind of the timeline of what happens, and so uh, you've got uh, Dark Thursday, Black Friday kind of mashed in there, so we jump over Thanksgiving real quick so we can get on to Christmas because what happens on Dark Thursday, Black Friday, is now we are infiltrated with Christmas, right? The music starts up, the Lifetime movies start up, Hallmark Channel goes crazy. I mean, it, 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 just, it, it just busts at us and comes at us from every direction. And so there's predictability when we start to talk about Christmas, when we start to, to look at Christmas with everything and the timeline of how it comes. It's like that every year. We know what's coming, it's like that every year and it feels familiar and safe. We are people that like familiarity. We don't like too much change. We like to, to know things. We don't like to be in the unknown. And so familiarity and tradition go hand in hand when it comes to the holidays. But with that, maybe some of us in the room don't like that. Because with familiarity and with uh, traditions and with things that come, maybe comes that crazy uncle from another state that comes in and stays way too long. Or maybe it's that pageant that you have to go to that may just drive you over the edge. Maybe it's, it's whatever it may be, but the point is this, whatever the association when it comes to Christmas, tradition and familiarity is part of the package. They go hand in hand. And so as, and this familiarity may not be the best thing for us as Christians, especially when it comes to what the season stands for. Especially when it comes to what, uh, what this season is about, especially with the Christmas story. And it's a story that we all know well, isn't it? 
I could probably call on anyone here in this place this morning and say, hey, give me some components of this story, and you could do that. You may even be able to tell the story. I mean, we're gonna look at the story here in a second, and as I read along, you probably don't even really need to look at your Bible the whole time because you'll know the components, you'll know the order, you'll know what happens in this story because this story is super familiar to us, right? There's shepherds. There's the the inn, there's the manger, there's animals, there's wise men, there's a star, and there's this pregnant girl. We get the story. We know the story. There's no surprises, no new details in this story. From year to year, it's the same thing, same story. It goes how it's always gone. It's something that we can bank on. It's something that we know. It really, it kind of gets boring if we're not careful because we hear it, right? Nothing new, everything's the same. Um, uh, no changes, it's familiar, it's predictable. And in that can breed contentment. But what if, church, what if this morning, what if there is something different? Uh, what if maybe we've waxed over, we've looked past really quick some things in the scripture that we may think are common but really are not? Uh, what if it's rich and full of surprises? What if there's more to it than what we just read or see it at surface level? What if there are insights from other places in the scripture that we can draw? Some other things that we can look at and see what's really happening behind the scenes that'll give us more depth. It will make the story even more rich. And so what I wanna do is I wanna first look at the one that's familiar. I want us to read it, I want us to hear it, I want uh, to, to see it again and look at it again. The one we hear every year and can recite by heart, but then I also wanna circle back around and look at it maybe from a different perspective. Look at it from a different way. So the version of the Christmas story that most of us uh, know the best is found in the book of Luke, chapter two, verse one. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. And this is what it says. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. In verse four, we jump to verse four. It says, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to, Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was uh, of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And verse six, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord uh, shone around them and they were filled, filled with great fear. Verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. See, this is the Christmas story we know. This is the one that we read. I mean, even yesterday as the children were here and we were getting ready for breakfast, we all gathered here around the altar and, and I had the opportunity to sit down and, and read this very story to them, tell this very story to them, the one that's safe, the one that's predictable, the one that we knows. And the cool thing about this story is that it ends with a proclamation coming directly from heaven. It says that the heavens open up and the angels are there and it's like the angels say, hey shepherds, the Savior has come. The one that you've been hoping for, the one that you've been longing for, the Savior has come. He is Christ. He is the Lord. All praise and recognition belongs to God. Because of this Savior, there will be peace on earth. That's what they hear. That's what they tell. And this very arrival is proof of love of God for all of mankind. That's what this is, this greatest gift ever given. 
And I know that's so cliche-ish and we're in church and we're supposed to say that the reason for the season is Jesus. And yes, absolutely, because it is right. But think about that for a moment. I mean, this is what I love about God, how intentional he is. I mean, he seeks and he comes after. And that's exactly what this gift did. This gift of the baby Jesus as, as he grew to be the savior of the world, as he took his place on the cross for our sin. I mean, th- this is a, an amazing, amazing story as his arrival is proof of the love of God for all of mankind. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life or in your heart. But I just want us to breathe in that moment for a second. Think about that for a moment. What that means is this, is that God loves you so much that he sends his son. And we know John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that what that he gave his only begotten son That's what this is. That's what Christmas is. So if you've ever wondered if you're loved or if you're accepted or if you're wanted, there's the answer, absolutely. The God of the universe wants you. The God of the universe loves you. He loves you so much that he sends his boy, heaven's best, to die for you. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what struggle you've brought into this place, but I want you to always remember this time of year, this season, what it stands for is the fact that that you are loved and you are wanted regardless of what anybody else says, regardless of what anybody else thinks. The God of the universe wants you so much that he sends his son to die for you. So the story is found in the book of Luke and it's the only one that goes into such great detail. You've got Matthew and Matthew gives some detail surrounding the story. You see wise men in their journey to see Jesus. Mark skips over it all together and just starts simply with the, uh, the public, the beginning of the public ministry of Jesus. And then you've got the book of John. And the book of John is a little different. It doesn't give specific details about the time, the place surrounding or the circumstances of Jesus' birth. But John gives us an introduction to who Jesus was. He, he lets us know who Jesus truly is. And he begins his book this way. John 1.1, it says this. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. And without him was uh, not anything made that, that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And so there's not a mention of a nativity, shepherds, or anything like that, but what John does here is he lets us in on a little history. Uh, Not so much uh, with Jesus' birth on earth, but with his presence since the very beginning of the world. It's almost as if he pulls back the curtain and allows us to look into uh, time past is what he does. And it may seem a little random because this isn't what we normally read around this time of the year. We don't gather everyone around the tree and be like, okay, let's open up to the book of John. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. He was in the beginning. We don't do that. I mean, that's not the nice and neat picture of what we think about Christmas. That, That seems a little random because that's not what we're used to. When we think of Christmas, what do we think of? We think of Luke's story, right? That's the story, the story of the birth of him laying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's the story that we think of. That's the Christmas story. We know how it starts. We know how it ends. Nice and neatly told and all wrapped up. But what if, church, what if how John began his book has more to do with Christmas than what you and I may think this morning? What if there's a little bit more to what John has to say than what we uh, realize there at surface level? What if there's more to Christmas than our annual reading of Luke? What if there's more than that? Maybe the reason Christmas feels so predictable and always looks the same every year with our traditions, our habits, all the repetition of everything that we do and have come to expect is because we've stopped expecting to find something new in the story. 
Right, right around 2,000 years ago, this story took place. And so for 2,000 years, this story has been told. This story has been made mention of. This story has been made known. So what if, though, we discovered something that helped us see Christmas from a little different perspective from what John has to say? What if there's man, just some golden nuggets tucked away there in what John says? Imagine putting yourself in that day, putting yourself in that circumstance, in that situation, in that culture, in that time when Jesus was born. At the time of Jesus' of Jesus's birth, you have the, the Jewish community. It wasn't exactly excited about what was going on in the Roman Empire, right? The Roman Empire is, is one of the greatest empires that ever ruled the world. They ruled for a little over 1,500 years. So let's put this in perspective for a second, okay? We think we've got it together as, the, uh, as America or the USA. I mean, we're 400-something years old. Think for a moment about the Roman Empire ruling and reigning for 1,500 years. We're in diapers compared to that as a country. We're not even close. And so they ruled the known world in a big way. And so with that, you've got Caesar Augustus. He's the ruler of this Roman Empire, He's a ruler at the time that Jesus was born. He was the one that was in charge. And the way that the people looked at him, they looked at him as a savior. Like he was God. He was portrayed as God. He was worshiped. He was the savior to the people at the time. That's, what, that's how he was looked at. That's how he was treated. That's how Caesar was. But Luke says that Jesus' birth, oh no, Jesus' birth would bring peace. See, but Caesar wanted the people to believe that he is the one that is connected with bringing peace. He wanted the people to believe that he would put it into all war. See, John says that the word, that Jesus was in the beginning and through him, all things were made. But Caesar, Caesar was to be considered equal to the beginning and he wanted to be known as the one that brought order. That's the way that he was looked at. That's the way that he was viewed. That's the way that he wanted to be portrayed. John tells us that Jesus was life and that uh, that life was the light of all people. But, but Caesar, Caesar wanted people to believe that he was the beginning of life. You see what's happening in the story? You see what's taking place in this known world, this ruling country, Rome, their leader wanted to be viewed as a God. Their leader wanted to be viewed as the one responsible for order, for peace, for all of these things, for creation, for everything. That's the way that he was to be viewed. So there's a reason that we look at Luke. But there's also a reason that we look at John and we see what John is talking about in regards to Caesar. See, by looking at both, I believe that we learn some really, really good things about our faith. Looking at both of these stories together, we get to pull back the curtain, we get to open up the book and really see what's happening in this culture, in this world at this time. And so as we start to look through the eyes of John, as we start to look through, through that book, and we start to see what's happening, what's going on in this culture, in this time, it'll help us get a better perspective. Because see, we're so quick just to, just to look at what's going on uh, out front and we forget what's happening behind the scenes. We forget what's going on, the world's at unrest. Though Rome may thought that they had everything in, under control, they may have thought that, they, that Caesar was God, they may have thought of all that stuff, there is still unrest and uncertainty like never before. And so by looking at this, by seeing this in a different way, we get to see how Luke and John lived in it firsthand. They were there, they experienced this, and everything about that first Christmas, everything about the arrival of God for them was unfamiliar. Everything about the arrival of God in human flesh was, was unfamiliar and different for everyone. Things were about to change. It was new, it was different. 
the culture they had been living in where Caesar was a god was about to change. That world was about to be rocked because that world didn't have room for another god. Much like our world doesn't have room for another god. See, the reality is this church is only one true living god and there's not room for two. Our God uh, is, is not a God that puts up with that. Our God is, is a jealous God, and when I say jealous God, I don't, uh, it, it's a good thing that God desires and wants his people to be all about him always. So there's not room for another God. There's not a competition or, or a place for any of that. And so what we see here is Luke writes to say, too bad, we have our Savior. Too bad our God is here. Our, our Savior, his name is Jesus. We have our Christ and our Christ is not Caesar. And so think about that for a moment. If you're the one ruling that country at that time, if you're Caesar, how do you feel about that? Those are fighting words. Your puny little guy, he's gonna come in and try to take over me? Your God is gonna uh, be here now and he's gonna rule and reign? Well, how did your God get here as a baby? Where is this baby? Show me. I mean, can, can you imagine for a moment just putting yourself in, in, in those shoes? These are fighting words. These, these words that Luke and John, that they write, they, that would stir things up. See, Caesar thinks he's God. But no, 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 we don't worship Caesar. We worship a different God. Caesar thinks that he brought peace. But how did he do that? He did that by waging war on everyone. And if you went against him, you were done away with. You were terminated. See, Luke and John write to say that the real Savior brings a different kind of peace, a real peace. Uh, to live in fear like that, that's not peace. Y yeah, we live in fear and awe of our God, but it's not the fear and awe that you would face in this setting, in this culture, in this world like this. If you stepped the wrong way, or if you did something wrong, or, or if they just had a, 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 a need to do something to somebody and they would pull whoever they wanted out to do whatever they want to do. That, that's, that's fear. That's not peace. That's fear. The peace that we talk about is deep-seated within a person. Regardless of circumstance, regardless of situation, that's what God brought through his son, Jesus. So you, think, you start to think about Caesar as he was there at the start. It was through Christ that the world came to be. It was through Christ. And this is the gospel that Christians spoke of. This is the word that they would spread. See, Luke and John are saying this at a time that they could be killed for making such a claim. You don't revolt or rebel against Rome. Uh, they would burn you at the stake. They would crucify you and line streets to remind you of, of who's God in this place, of who rules this place, who reigns in this place. You don't dare say words. You don't dare rise up against Rome. And so for Luke and John to say this, man, it cost them something. It could cost them something. And as we know, it cost them a lot. As we know how the story goes, and so this was a culture where such divisive teaching eventually did what to Jesus? It cost him his life, did it not? It eventually cost Jesus his life, and this is the culture that Jesus is born into. This is the part of the Christmas story that we don't normally think about, we don't normally talk about. I mean, think about it for a moment. What's happening behind the scenes, what's going on in the world today yeah, we gather here in this place and uh, it's, it's safe and it's comfortable and it's good here as we all gather under the same pretense and under the same name to, to worship and live and to lift high. We all gather here in this place, but think here, here in a few moments when you leave this place, you walk back out into the world and there's unrest. There's darkness. There's bad things. Same thing in this story. 
There's this one glorious moment that's going to change the world for all time. But they're still going to have to go back into that culture, back into that world, back into that reality. And so that's, that's the story. That's this Christmas that we don't normally talk of. It messes with the picture that we, we're so familiar with. It messes with the story that, that's told every time, but the picture that we're seeing here is that the truth about how Christmas began. It's not predictable. It's not familiar. It's, it's in this uh, conflicted and chaotic world. That's how this story comes to be. That's what happens. Two small books by two not so well-known guys at the time were written in this world where Jesus was about to be born, where Jesus would come and shake things up a bit. So my question for us this morning is, what does all this mean? What does this have to do? See, I think it should change the way we look at Christmas. I I think it should change everything for us because the first Christmas was about change. The the first Christmas was about change. It was about a change in power. The first Christmas was about a change in worship, a change in how things had always been done, a change from Caesar to Christ. the, The real true God is here. The one and only God is here. So in that first Christmas morning, it was all about change. It was all about change from supremacy to service, from aggression to peace. See, the first Christmas was about trying to make the world understand that things weren't always going to be the way that they had been. The status quo was about to change. Things that they knew and were familiar with were about to change. So what that means for us this morning, church, is this, is that this year could be about change. This Christmas for us could be about change. As Jesus' birth flew in the face of the powers to be, Christmas can be a, a challenge to us, a challenge of whatever is taking power and presence in our life. Think about that for a moment. What, 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 what rules and reigns in your life this morning in this place? As you've gathered here, as you've walked through these doors, as, as we've met here this morning in this place, what is something that, that, that rules and reigns in your life what is something that owns you? What are, what are you worshiping? Or what are the things that you are running after that you just have to have that have offered so much but leave us so empty seeking more? See, the thing I love about Christmas is that it's not a passive holiday. Oh, by no means is Christmas a passive holiday. No, Christmas is an invitation to be active. <laughs> to be active to pursue, to be active to change, to be active to seek the one that has come to save. That's what Christmas is about. It's it's about action is what it's about. See, we're all invited by Christ to move to action, to remove anything that has taken place of him. Anything. And it can be a number of things, can it not? It can be relationships. It can be jobs. It can be family. It can be time off, it can be, you name it this morning. It could be a number of things that rule and reign in our life that we worship and bow down to. And Christmas is an open invitation to change the status quo in that. And so this Christmas, I beg you, don't let it come and go. Don't just listen to the story, don't just hear the music, but take action. Take, do something this Christmas. May we look back, put ourselves in that place of those who lived that first Christmas. Think about their situation. Think about their circumstances for a moment. That's what I love about having kids. When you read the story, yesterday when I sat here and I read the story to them and I started to tell, you see their little eyes open. When you talk about angels, their imagination just starts to run. When you start to talk about little baby Jesus being born there, I mean, shepherds, all of those things, this star in the sky, all their, their imagination just starts to run. Like, like I can think of reading stories to my boys. I've got 
got two little ones, and as I read stories to them, the questions that come to their mind, the things that they ask, it's almost as if they put themselves in that story. Like, like they ask me as if I was there. And I'm like, it's a fiction book, dude, I don't know. Dad, what's fiction? Well, what we know about this book is it's nonfiction. It's actual, it's perfect, it's true, it's good. This is the real story. It's not a duplicate, it's not made up. This is the real story. So we need to put ourselves in this story. We need to understand these are real men and women. These are real people that lived in a real time where there was real struggle, there was real hurt, much like today. So Christmas is a confrontation. Christmas is to defeat a struggle. Christmas is an effort for something new to replace something old. That's the great news about Christmas. See, with the arrival of Jesus, with his arrival as he came, what happened was it was a threat to Caesar. It was a threat to the status quo. It was a threat to the way things had always been, the way things were going. And what we know about our God is that there's not room for two. There's not enough room for both. And so when Luke and John, when they write this, they write not just to tell the people of, this, of the birth of Jesus, but to let the people know that there's a choice to be made, that there can be a change, that that can happen. So as, the, uh, as Eric comes back up here to lead us in a moment of response, I just wanna ask you a few questions as it pertains to the story, as it pertains to what we've talked about this morning. Do you value familiarity way too much? Do you value it way too much? The same old, same old, same old. Routine is good, but sometimes we just need change from that routine. I was reading the other day or I was looking the other day and I had heard this story that, that whenever you start to work out, you start to work out and work out and work out and what happens is your body finally kind of gets used to the way that you're working out. And so what you have to do in that moment as your body gets used to it, so you may be able to cut weight, you may be able to add muscle, you may be able to do all of this stuff, but as you do that and you get into this routine of, of lifting and doing the same thing over and over and over and it has great benefits at the very beginning, what happens is in time your body gets used to that workout. Your body gets used to that routine. So what they say is this, is that you've got to do something a little bit different to shock the system. You maybe need to do a little bit more cardio. You maybe need to come up with a different routine. You maybe need to, to, to mix some things up. And so as I was thinking about that and as I was thinking about the Christmas story for us this morning, maybe the same thing needs to happen to us. Maybe because we've become so familiar with the story, a little baby born, God of the world, our savior, we could recite it, the star, shepherds, wise men, all of this stuff that we can say as it pertains to our story. We've become so familiar with it that if we would think for just a moment what it could cost these people in this story to claim Jesus as God over Caesar. And as we see in the story as it unfolds, it costs many of them their life. So think about it this morning. Think about it for just a second. Have you become so familiar with the story that you miss it altogether? And I guess my challenge or my heart is this morning, don't, don't miss it. I mean, my life is just as crazy as anybody else's. I've got two boys. We are not done Christmas shopping. So you know what that means? It's crunch time, right? Like we, we are the 16th today. I mean, it's coming, man. But what I want to do is I want to be so careful, even in my home, even in my family, that we don't just get so fixated on getting gifts and fixated on doing the same old, same old, same old, that we always do the same old, same old. The elves come, this has happened, all that stuff that we miss. That we miss the reason. 
So what God's teaching me, what God's telling me, even just in this moment, is it's got your routine. These have changed a little bit. It's got your routine with your family. Maybe you need to push pause for a moment and put, put the most important thing back in place. Put the most important thing where it belongs to be. Don't let the familiarity draw you away. Change what you need to change from the same old, same old, same old routine and allow God to work in that. Second question I would ask you is this, who's your Caesar? Who's your Caesar? Is it somebody, is it a relationship, is it a spouse, is it a kid, is it a family member, is it somebody you're pursuing? Who is your Caesar? Or maybe like this, what is your Caesar? Is it a promotion? Is it a job? Is it more money? Is it more this? Is it a car? Is it that? It, what, what is your Caesar? And why isn't Jesus where he deserves to be? Why isn't Jesus in the middle of it all, the center of it all? Because this is, this is the thing, is that once we get through the Christmas season and we celebrate the birth of Jesus and January comes, it is so easy to take down the decorations, take the manger scene, pack it back up and forget all about it and just keep on going. And church, what I know and what I've learned is that we don't just celebrate this on the 25th. We get to celebrate the fact that our God sent his son every moment of every day. That's what we get to celebrate. We don't have to wait to the 25th to talk about the birth of Jesus or, or the reality of who Jesus Christ is. And we don't have to wait to Easter to celebrate the fact that he has risen from the dead and he has made way for us. No, we get to celebrate it every moment. of You know, it's the 16th and guess what? Merry Christmas. We don't have to wait till the 25th to tell that. We, we don't have to let other stuff uh, jumble it up or, or confuse us or, or mess it up. We don't have to allow other little Caesars to take the place of our God. Jesus is our God. He's the one that we celebrate. He's the one that deserves to be in the center of it all. It's Jesus. So what do you need to get rid of? What do you need to do to put Jesus back in the middle of everything? The last question I would ask you is this. What's competing for the place of honor in your life this Christmas. Maybe you allow every Christmas the thought or the reality or the attention to be put on people and stuff. Anything in your life, whether it's good or bad, if it's in the center of your, your world, then that means Jesus is not. Like, like, do you get that? Like, you, you don't have to physically bow down and pray to it and, uh, no, 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 no. An idol is anything that you put in the place of the main thing, which is Jesus. And you know how I talked about our God being a jealous God? God wants your whole heart. He wants all of your work. He wants all of you. He don't want to have to compete with a spouse. He don't want to have to compete with relationships. He don't want to have to compete with a job. He don't want to have to compete with the, the next best thing. He don't, God doesn't compete with that stuff. So what's in the center? What's competing for that place of honor? For that place of prominence? Because, because hear me, church, we need to do whatever we have to do to make sure that Jesus stays in the middle of that. Anything and everything. And what I've learned is Christmas is a time and a chance for us to remove the junk and put Jesus where he belongs. That's what I've learned. This, this is a beautiful reminder because I don't know about you, but me, there's drifts in my life. And I love so much how God has set up certain seasons. 
kind of this rhythmic flow in his word, this rhythmic flow in, in seasons. And so we're gonna come out of Christmas and then it's gonna be super easy for our attention to be derailed to something else, for something else to pull us, for something else to take us away. And then what's gonna happen? We're gonna come to Easter, right? And that's gonna be another time for us to be able to pull our attention back. And so you just see this all throughout scripture. You see this in the churches. We've, there's certain seasons and just this flow, rhythmic flow to draw our attention back. And so that's what Christmas is. It's a time for us to be drawn back to the reality of what this life's about, to the reality of what this world's about. This holiday isn't about getting stuff. This holiday is about getting a savior whom we love, cherish, and value much, much more than anything that we can put under a tree. That's what this season is about. And so that's what this time is about. It's about us being able to, to, to put the thing that needs to be prominent in our life back in its rightful place. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what, what's going on this morning, but I wanna invite you this morning in this place, in this moment as, as they play and just search your heart, search your soul. What's the thing that you're longing for the most? What's the thing that has become Caesar in your life, the little God that you run after and worship and need and want more than anything else? Because if it's not Jesus, then, then, then it's a false idol. It's a false God. It's a little G God is what it is. And so what I love the most is the fact that God gives his son as he gives his son. He's so intentional to remind us and show us that I'm coming for you and I've made a way. You can put all that other junk aside and you can run after me. So I don't know what's happening, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I wanna give you this opportunity in this moment to seek God first. If you're not saved, this will be a great time to make Jesus Lord of your life. A great opportunity for you to come to faith in Christ. And, and you know if that's happening, if God's just stirring in your heart, if he's wooing you and drawing you, you know whether or not you belong to him. So maybe this morning, maybe this season is that season where he rescues you or he saves you, or maybe if there's sin in your life or there's little G gods that you're just chasing that you just can't get enough of, that you just have to have, maybe this morning is this morning that you repent and you ask him to take those little G gods and put him back in the place of where he belongs. So I don't know what God's doing in your life, but I wanna give you an opportunity this morning to respond as, as you see fit, as he's pressed upon your heart to do. If you need to come pray, or if you need to slip out and make a call and encourage someone, or if you need to talk to someone in this place and love on them, and encourage them, whatever God has pressed upon your heart to do, you be obedient. Lord, love you. Jesus, thank you for the story. Thank you for this reminder that there was nothing familiar about that night. God, we do, we seek familiarity. We seek things to be nice and neat in the way that we always like it, the way that we always want it. And so God, thank you for shaking things up, God, because what I've learned in my spiritual life is I need to be shook sometimes. I need to make changes. I need to do things differently. And so God, may this Christmas be a time where we do that. May this Christmas be a time where we see through those lenses and God, you change and you do in us whatever you need to do. God, there's freedom in this place this morning. So you move as you see fit. God, you do as you see fit. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your hope. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the greatest gift ever given, your son. God, move in this place. In your name we pray, amen. These guys are going to play for a moment. If you want to come pray, if you, whatever you feel led to do, I'm going to ask if you would stand. They're going to lead us.